To Queer and Art Podcast. I'm your host, Frankie Kraft. My next guest is super special because I happened to go to high school with this person, which was, I guess, light years ago, it feels like. And it was just really exciting to catch up and see him again because he was one of those people. I went to a performing arts high school, and I when I first saw him, and you'll hear in the the episode about that time, but when I I saw him and I knew he would be just one of those people from the school to go off and succeed, which um, has been the music industry and electronic music, and I've been following him ever since, and it is really special to connect with him now after all these years. We haven't been able to, and we've never really had a chat like this before, and it's just kind of, it was really special to record, so I'm really excited to share it with you all. Without further ado, Bads, also known as Will Wiesenfeld, also known as Geotic. Enjoy. apartment yet again my studio sitting with a old friend of mine who is an incredibly talented musician I'm just gonna like toot your horn for a second I I like tell myself not to do this with every person that I'm talked to but I'm like so obsessed with everyone I talk to anyways this person I'm literally sweating not because it's hot but because I'm like excited and nervous to be sitting with this person he I know him from growing up and I've seen him really just like blossom into like this like recording artist musician that we all knew he would be and we go way back so I'm really excited his name is Will Wiesenfeld am I allowed to say your name do you go by your name I mean like yeah it's in all my press shit it's not like a secret I mean yeah I was like looking I was like he says his name I don't know but he's also probably most famously known as Baths also geotic Mm -hmm. but also Post-fetus. But ancient. That's like ancient history now, but yes. No. No, <laughs> we're, we're going to start with post-fetus okay. because that is, was my introduction. Can I like 
I know this is like a Q&A podcast, but I'm, I need to like go off for a second. Totally. You can like expound and whatever. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Will and I went to, we, I went to a different middle school than you, but you went to the same middle school as my brother. Yes. That's right. Yes. And so then I get to high school. We're in the same high school. He's a year older than me, a grade older than me. And then I came out of the closet and which was not a big surprise to a lot of people, but <laughs> it was known at this point. Yeah. Maybe I was in like tenth grade or something. And that's when I came out too. It was tenth grade. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel but like that my, makes for everybody I knew it was a big surprise. <laughs> I mean, it was. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was the gag of it, you yeah, know? Because yeah, like, yeah. I came out and I was like, "Boo! I'm in musical theater. I'm like this faggot." But then, <laughs> I and the, I don't know. I'm so excited to talk to you about all this, and I'm already rambling. No, it's great. And <laughs> whatever. Okay, so then <laughs> I was like, um, you know, I had some girlfriends, some friends, and they were like, they're like, so you're gay, woo, like, who are you going to hook up with first? Like, who's yeah, going to be your yeah, first yeah. experience? I was like, that is terrifying. I have no idea who even is gay. And then yeah. your name came up <laughs> as one of them. And I was like, no, that's not true. Like, yeah. also who? Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, that was, like, my introduction. And then I think... That led me to see, like, an electronic music show you were doing in high school. Very possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I did, like, like, are you talking about Half Lids or was it something else? Half Lids. Okay. It was (laughs) definitely Half Lids. That was, like, this insane, like, 18-minute, like... I think at the time I was obsessed with calling it a tone poem, which is, like, (laughs) who fucking... Whatever. But... It was 18 minutes long, and I had to convince the administration through a couple of teachers to, like, allow us to perform it, because we did it in the middle of what was, like, a vocal night. Like, it was right. Mr. Hamilton's, like, uh, I went to Hamilton. We went to we Hamilton went High to School, Hamilton. but there was also a teacher named Mr. Hamilton. Yeah. And he was having, like, a vocal performance that night with two different groups, and we basically performed at the intermission. Yeah. But we had to, like, argue our way into it, because it totally fucked up his, like performance thing and he had to bring down the risers and all this shit so so just for um like background like how old were you here uh at that point i was probably 17 17 years old this motherfucker maybe 18 maybe 18 he put (laughs) no you were not 18 you had to be younger than that i don't even think 17 really i don't know anyways but like (laughs) did a full like light setup like how many people were in the it was uh me uh, a string quartet, a singer, and then extra guitar and drums. So right. I think it was seven or eight people. Yes. Um, I just realized like some people who listen to this like don't even live in America and maybe don't even understand what kind of <laughs> school this was. But this yeah. was a performing arts music academy that mm-hmm. specialized. It was a magnet program. So it was basically a school that was designed to shuttle very talented children mm-hmm. from in the, the area to the school to participate in these music education programs. Yeah, like they had like a really good jazz band, an incredible choir program, and then they also had this electronic music program, which was the only one of its kind like that I knew of at all. And so I was like, um, yes, that's what I want to do. And I went there specifically for that reason. So, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so just to kind of finish off my part of this, I just want to say that like seeing there's this... Um, I think I find this with like a lot of like artists and stuff and just dating in general. And and I'm sure this relates to not just the queer world and Mm. stuff, but like talent is very sexy and hot and and attractive. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like a eyes, like 
it was it was so insane. I was just like so in awe of like what you created and did. <laughs> well, thank you. And I had like friends in that too who were like mm. singing, and it it, totally, it, totally. it was like stunning. It was really cool. I don't know if I've ever even told you that. I don't I don't think so either, but I appreciate it very very much. Yes. Um, I remember um, the night when we did it. Um, you remember Harry Maycline? Yes. Yeah, he was there, and he was. I remember he said like, "I wish there was more." shit like this at this school and I was like that's cool yeah. so that was like one of the only things I remember him and then my guitar teacher at the time Mr. Taguchi said some cool shit and oh so God, I was Mr. like Mr. Taguchi he was the fucking shit so uh, yeah it was cool it was really cool and I remember like the whole thing was that we were doing this performance but it was still during a choir night so most of the audience yeah. were, were like older folk and people there for the choir stuff and then like a gaggle of like 30 or 40 like teens yeah. like who were like my buds and stuff yeah. right there at the front and it was just such a like coup yeah. of like that whole situation it was really fun so i mean what um because i think that there's still you still have some of that sound that you yeah. created then so yeah. like what was your inspiration like when you were first starting out like mm-hmm. exploring electronic music i think the the thing that inspired me the most about it was the in my brain, the ultimate freedom that it was like, I didn't need anybody else to make things happen. I could sort of like make all the sounds myself guide where they went, decide what they did, like just be so in control in a way that was like really selfish at the time. Cause I was like, in my brain, I was like, I don't need a band. I don't need anything. I can do it all myself. But it ended up being a really good thing because it kind of forced me into learning how to do that. Right. Like I learned how to produce by making a million mistakes in a row over and over and over. And like, yeah, that's kind of what it was. It was just freedom. Like it, it's still even now, like the idea of just sitting with a computer and a DAW and like infinite possibilities. That's like the thing. That's still my ticket. I love that. Um, I know that uh, you came out in 10th grade mm-hmm. and you were creating music also at the same time. Mm-hmm. Also, you're classically trained, right? On piano specifically, that, yeah, that I started playing piano at age four and then had, like, a huge falling out with it, um, I think, like, before high school. And then I sort of slowly started getting into it again once I realized I could, like, do whatever I wanted Uh and I didn't have to play classical music. And I was like, oh, this is great. And I have all this, like, skeletal memory for how to play. So I ended up playing a lot more and I got better at piano even after that. But, um, yeah. Yeah. That's that. But something I'm curious, I mean, cool. Something I'm curious, <laughs> I'm listening, I'm listening. Um, something I'm curious about yeah. is if you were expressing your, your queerness in the beginning stages of you, you know, sort of uh, molding the artist you wanted to be. Yeah, that's actually a very good point because I didn't. And I was very, very frustrated in the way I was writing things. And I was writing things that even now I'm really ashamed about, like even Half-Lids, which was this super cool thing. The subject matter was awful. And it's like, I'm kind of ashamed of what I wanted it to be about and what I thought it was. And it was just like, it was just like me kind of being angry at myself and this really nasty narrative of like, uh, it was like a weird possessive, almost like rape narrative. Like I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was really horrible. And Mm -hmm. I, I like tried to twist it into this cool, like, heroic adventure thing, but it's, like, looking back at the lyrics, it was, like, really, really bad. Mm. Really bad. And, like, so much of that was tied into how much I was never going to come out. Uh And then it just kind of, like, hit me because of making music, because I was just, like, 
I'm never going to make honest stuff if I don't come out. Because so many of my lyrics, I was writing about the things I was passionate about, like writing about love and like uh, fantasy and all this shit. But it was all, it was still female subjects the whole uh-huh. time. And I just like wasn't being truthful to myself. And so it was kind of like, once I came out, even though it was a very slow process after that, once I came out, it was kind of like bottom line, like don't hide anything anymore. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm only going to be able to create like at full throttle and like fully gay and fully what I actually feel. Mm -hmm. There's no holding anything back. And yeah, so it took a while, but I think I'm sort of there. I think I got there not too long after that, but it was definitely... The long-winded answer is, or the short version of my long-winded answer, Mm -hmm. is starting off, definitely not. It was really, really closeted and really, really, like, afraid, Mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff I wrote. So, Um, Well, I (laughs) have been dying to ask you this since high school. Okay. Um, Just, like, was any of it... Because I was always trying to decipher your music, too, Mm. because I was fascinated by you you know as just a musician and a queer person and in Mm. in like that I would see that you know I was interested in and I was just curious about if you were exploring that during that time or like when it started like what yeah what was the shift if you remember well it's hard to say like I basically so I came out in 10th grade Uh I had already said that but I knew I was gay in like seventh grade okay it was like via porn I was just like oh shit, I like this way more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was really stressful and all this stuff. So it was kind of just like the stress of not coming out but still wanting to be really creative. I just reached uh, for really outrageous stuff. Like a lot of the songs I was writing, I was really like, uh, I don't think I was so much at high school, but in middle school I was like a new metal okay. kid. And I, I had, believe that. <laughs> and I had like... Like, long black hair, and I wore, like, dicky shorts and, like, a ton of bracelets and shit. And I was, like, very into metal and new metal. And it was because it was so, like, at the time it was very fringe and it was very, like, hard. Mm. And that was what I needed. I needed something that, like, appropriately rooted my angst, you know? Um, So... I'm trying to guide this back to the question. I'm just so distracted by my like, <laughs> my childhood. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was just... What did you ask me? Okay, so like... The so shift of the... Like when things became more queer for you oh, and yeah, more yeah, yeah, comfortable yeah. Okay. maybe. I don't like the word comfortable. No, but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. Um, I basically... I think before I even came out, I was becoming more comfortable with like what I wanted to achieve. Uh-huh. Uh, because I was openly writing about fantasy narratives and like trying a lot with the actual music I was making. I was like incorporating a lot of weird sounds. So it was getting there, but the full like comfortably queer transition was probably like a year after I came out in like 11th grade or 12th grade where I like, I just started to like actually include men in my subject matter uh-huh. and where it wasn't like an afterthought. It was like about men and okay. about, about that. And there is this EP. So I did half lids and all that. And I think that was in 11th grade. And then, um, and that was a year after I came out, but it was still weird. But by the time I was in 12th grade, this is me literally like remembering this all at once. So if I'm a little chronologically <laughs> out of order, um, in 12th grade, I put together this EP called The First Will Wiesenfeld EP with the idea being that I would make one 
every couple of years mm-hmm. and like be able to chronicle my life this way. Yes. Haven't done that since, but that's fine. It was like one of those failed, um, like Sufjan Stevens, 50 States projects sure. where I was just like ambition, but then it fell flat. Um, blah, blah, blah. On that EP, a lot of the songs were very, very directly like about men or gay narratives or, or I guess not men at the time, but like gay teens mm-hmm. and me being into guys for the first time. And that was the only, that was like the first release where it was like very obvious and I was very comfortable about it being out there. So I think that's definitively, yeah, I think that's definitively the first like work of art. You could say that I was like, I am a queer person now. And so I would have been 18. Yeah. um, I mean, I'm not trying to blow your spot here, but I'm trying to think there was like a song... Please blow up my spot if you can think of something yeah. earlier. No, like, I loved it. I still like, it's still on my iTunes. Like it <laughs> comes up and I'm like, yes. Um, oh God. And you're like rapping in it, rapping that in was it. On, that was on the first Will Weasenfeld yeah. EP. That song is called Weak Will. Yes. Yes. And that was, um, mm-hmm. do you, can you talk a little bit about what sure. that was about? Just because I think was... it's like such a, it, it's a time capsule. Yeah. Thing. It's, it's hard for me to hear it now. So if some, <laughs> if some fan or somebody happens to be listening to this podcast and like hears about this song and goes looking for it, don't tweet me about it. Okay. Don't talk to me about yeah. it because it's long gone. But <laughs> it is a thing that I'm still proud of and the fact that it exists. And it was like this seven minute thing where the whole narrative of it was like the first three minutes were like this inner monologue of like seeing a person who I'm pretty sure was gay across a restaurant and just like my mental narrative about that and just trying to get noticed or, or like notice him and like try and try and make it make sense somehow. And it culminates in this like big explosive musical moment of like talking, Mm -hmm. like even the smallest amount. And that just being like this huge explosion of feelings for the first time and validation and blah, blah, blah. And so it was that. And then after that, it was a little more of a narrative beyond it fading out and kind of like the afterglow of those feelings. But it was this big seven minute thing that was literally just about feeling gay. That's what it was. Yeah. I mean, it really brings up something that I think I still like really talk about Mm. today with everybody. I mean, look at me, I'm sitting here doing a podcast about it, but like, (laughs) um, you know, I remember very much so listening to that EP and hearing that song and thinking like, well, since I knew you, I sort of kind of was like piecing to like making guesses about it and Mm. whatever. But for some reason, it also made me really like connect to this vibe of like listening to another gay person or queer person Mm. express themselves either in like a narrative way or like a, you know, a more sensory way that kind of, pepped my step or made me like yeah. excited or, um, you know, the, the, the power of music, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you have really, I think, continued to do that kind of work. Very much so. That's like, I consciously am trying to do that. Not trying to be like a, like a, like a figurehead gay person, but just like being honest to myself, which is like, I love dudes and I love mm-hmm. to sing and talk about dudes. And so I'm very, very true to that. And it's never stopped in my stuff. So. I'm also curious because, I mean, I, I would like to know mm-hmm. what happened, like your, your takeoff, you know, from, from high school into, you know, sure, getting record sure. deals or whatever. Yeah. And if there was pushback from people about what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I think 
one of the luckiest parts about me making music is that I am born and raised and still live in Los Angeles. And I think that fact on its own, like there's bullying everywhere, but I think being in a more liberal city made it easier. I think like me having queer music kind of like from the get go, cause I didn't have like a career when I was like in 10th grade or 11th grade and like mm-hmm. coming out and making music. I was just like, a fucking high schooler. So but you were like doing shows and stuff. I was, but you know what I mean? Like it wasn't yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I wasn't like, um, I didn't have like a, uh, a whole network behind me, like ready to push me into the big time. It was me just doing whatever I wanted. So mm. I'm only mentioning that because, uh, in other places at that tier, it's very easy to get a lot of pushback, like you're saying, and mm. a lot of people to kind of like shoot you down or say what you're doing. It's like, it's not welcome here, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't get much of that. Mm-hmm. The more that I did gay things, the more I was encouraged to do them. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like a really beautiful, natural thing about making music. And the thing is, it's like, outside of music, there were still trials and tribulations surrounding my gayness. Like, all the time, stuff would come up or, like, I'd have really, like, awkward interactions with people or feel really down on myself. But in music, it never happened. Like, music was just this thing that was so electric to me. It was so, like, this is correct. This is exactly what I should be doing. That I kind of never lost sight of that. And so I think moving into becoming, like, a professional Mm -hmm. musician was, like, cementing in my brain really early on, way before queerness was a part of the equation that electronic music was what I wanted to do mm-hmm. because in my brain it was such a specific weird thing and I was getting into it early enough in my own brain that I was like if I just work really hard on this like this whole time by the time I would be of age to be an electronic musician I could mm-hmm. it was just kind of this thing where I was like it cemented itself in my brain that it's like I just have to do that I just have to work on that and be diligent and like maybe it'll pan out. And even if it doesn't, I'll still be good at a hobby that I love. That's did you go to school or college? I did. I went to Cal State Northridge for a year and a half. Okay. And then it was like I stopped going because it's actually a really cool thing that it was like. So I went to Cal State Northridge for film composition or media composition to like mm. learn to write music for commercials or whatever. And even as I was going into that school, the director of those programs was like, are you sure you don't want to try Cal Arts? Because it seems like you're more like an experimental whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, like, <laughs> I want to do like film scoring. Like, I, it was more, and it was one of those things where that was still me kind of like fighting with my own nature. Like, I didn't want to completely surrender to the idea that I'm like queer, super experimental, like whatever the fuck I want to really? do. Yeah, like even then I was still like, I had some sort of regimented thing in my brain of like, this is the thing that makes the most sense. It oh, wasn't wow. necessarily a queer thing, actually. I think it was more like uh, a self-confidence thing. Uh-huh. Like, I was just nervous about fully adopting the identity of artists. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it's separate so, from queer, or that's, like, it's hand-in-hand? Hand? I think I think it... I think it's both. I think it's at the time it was separate from being queer because I just didn't have the confidence yet. Yeah. Like, I had the confidence in what I was doing, but not it existing as an actual monetary career for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's sort of what that was. It was like, oh, film scoring, those people make money. Uh-huh. And like solo electronic experimental musician, who knows if that makes money? So right. it was, I was still like teetering in the in-between there. And like I didn't come from a family with the infrastructure to be like do 
anything that you want or whatever. <laughs> I mean, like, they yeah. put it to me like that, but in my own brain, yeah, I was still nervous about it. Sure. For a year and a half, and it was kind of very quickly becoming apparent to me it was not the right place for me. Mm. I could do the assignments that we had, and I had like a good ear for music and whatever, and like I could I could complete things. But everybody else in that program was like infinitely better than me at writing music for films and stuff. Like they just like there were people who were geeks about film composers, mm. and I couldn't care less. Like yeah. I didn't know. I was like, well, yeah, but like, what about Bjork? And people were like. What? Like, really? <laughs> I mean, just like yeah, that yeah. happened all the time, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I ended up basically like having a conversation with my parents who I, I still love them dearly for this, for many things, but specifically for this moment in time being like, I, I don't want to go to school for a semester. I want to try to succeed on my own merit with the shit that I've been doing and that I love, like with this weird music that I make. I want to see if anything can happen. And um, they were like on board. They were like, that's fine. Like, you seem like you know what you're doing. I don't understand it, but go for it. Mm -hmm. They were always very supportive. So, um, yeah, I took six months off. And within those six months, I fully assembled like an album and demo package. I was able to give that to Daedalus, Alfred Darlington. Right, right, right. And he, from the very beginning, started like championing me. Like I didn't have the baths material yet, but he was like, your stuff is great. Like maybe we could put it out, like come play shows. Like just, he sort of like brought me in. He like How did you get in. to him? Uh, that's a good question. I got, um, do you know the podcast A uh, Yeah Dude by yeah. any chance? Okay, it's like a comedy podcast that's been going on for a very long time. It's very funny. And one of the guys who does it, this guy Jonathan Larroquette, also makes music. And okay. he had this experimental electronic group called Jogger. Okay. Um, and that it was like through friends of friends that they were like, I found out they were doing a, um, a show in the valley, mm -hmm. like at a house party at um, a friend's house. And I was like, oh my God, let's just go. And I brought my demo with me because I was like, Smart. yeah, I was like, he's an electronic. I had no idea that he knew Alfred or Daedalus or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I like his podcast. He seems like a cool guy. Let's just see what happens. So I went, saw their set. It was really, really cool. They performed on top of like literally like garbage cans. They put all their equipment on garbage cans. Love it was that. Very house party shit. And they, um, they're both great. Him and Amir. Amir is the other member. So Jonathan and Amir were super cordial. I talked with both of them. Jonathan and I kind of hit it off uh, talking about music, talking about making music, being in bands, all that shit. And I, at the end of our conversation, I reluctantly was like, here's my demo. I still feel weird about giving this out to people, but you seem like a cool guy. Uh, maybe I seem cool, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Like, take it or leave it is basically how I put it to him. I wasn't desperate. I was just like, here's my thing. Mm -hmm. 
And he was very gracious about it. And he, he was like happy to get it. And he did listen to it. And he got back to me and he was like, yo, this is tight. So I, and I was just like, whoa, cool. And that was like the first time I've ever given it to like a stranger, uh-huh. you know, and had a response. Yeah. So that felt amazing. And then he put me in contact with Alfred and it's like, yeah, like you guys should meet up and talk about stuff. And I was like, of course, like shaking and like giddy and like, oh my God, he's like, he's like a musician. He's like a real musician. Yeah. They're all real musicians. Uh, yeah. His whole world, like Jonathan, Alfred, all of it. I was just like, oh. Yeah. It's very your world. Exactly. Sure. And yeah. so I was like freaking out. Um, and then my first meeting with Alfred was at like an Urban Outfitters for like 15 minutes. We Shut just, up. <laughs> yeah, we Let's just, meet at Urban. <laughs> It was, like, in between some other shit that he had to do, but he was like, I want to meet you. I want to say hi and blah, blah, blah. I need a pair of jeans. I know. It was... Just remembering now, it's so funny that that's, that was the thing. But, yeah. And then the rest is kind of history. It was, like, that initial meeting and then some... It was basically, like, a year of, like, nothing being sort of, like, fully concrete mm-hmm. with with me putting out music. But it was within that time that I, I made the Baths record. Mm-hmm. I think within a year or a year and a half. Um, and I worked odd jobs and stuff. It was just basically like, okay, people respect my music enough that I don't have to pursue a different career. I can just try this. Mm-hmm. So I didn't continue with school, just worked on music. I made this Baths record. And then Alfred was kind of the first person to get it. Mm-hmm. And then he... I had my manager at the time, Joshua Fisher, and he... Um, put it in Alfred's hands and then in his friend Sean's hands, Sean Coppola, who runs Anticon. And it was kind of this conversation between the two of them, but all three of them about who was going to put out my record. Mm-hmm. And it kind of made sense amongst them all. Cause I kind of deferred to them cause I didn't know mm-hmm. that Anticon would be the best bet. Sorry, this is really long winded, but this no. is like the whole thing. No, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> what happened next? Okay. This is, that's basically it. And then it was like, we went with Anticon, and then my world kind of exploded from there for a bit. Um, then Baths was, like, born. Thing. Yeah, so, yeah. wait, I think I know why you're called Baths, but why don't you first, why don't you just... Okay. Um, the initial idea was to shorten away from the name post-fetus, because <laughs> post-fetus was really hard to ride out in any professional capacity. Yeah. So, I pulled off of that, and it was like, I want a short name that's, like, a stamp that's like easy to display and always looks big when you display it and blah, blah, blah. So it was that, uh, partially. And then also because baths were like taking actual baths were always like this moment of centering for me in my life that I always felt like I was a very water oriented person Yeah. and that taking a bath was like me and my thoughts and full relaxation and just like my zone. Mm -hmm. It was like my absolute comfort safety zone and inspiration zone. Yeah, I remember you saying you took like five baths a day when we were when we first were friends in high school. And I, I remember thinking like, that's a lie. <laughs> it's probably true. And yes it is. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not true. It's so weird that he keeps lying to you. I feel like one time you even were like, I was hanging out with you and you were like, I'm gonna go take a bath. And I was like, is he serious right now? <laughs> that's I don't remember that, but I believe you. I'm 100% pretty, I pretty you. <laughs> sure that's what happened. I mean, like, even now in my adult life, I'm always trying to, like, get into bodies of water. Nice. Like, I'll, I'll swim. I'll, it'll be a thing also if I've had, like, a really intense day and then I'm hanging out at a friend's place late. Mm-hmm. Like, if we're showing up at something at 7 p.m. 
I'll text them and be like, can I shower at your place before we like hang out? Like it's real. It's so real. <laughs> it is me. real. Yeah. So well, any of that, like beach, an actual bath, showers, gay bathhouses, I'm like super into. That's a whole other thing. Oh, wow. But, yeah. <laughs> You're growing up, I guess. <laughs> I'm growing up. I'm growing up. Um, so, okay. Let's talk about baths. Sure. Was all of that written before you knew that it was going to be released how it was? Yes. It, it was basically like the the interim period where I was making that record was me super locking into the like electronic music scene yeah. in LA, which was like No Such Thing, Flying Lotus, mm-hmm. uh, and then like Jay Dilla, but kind of through other people. Like he wasn't like mm-hmm. playing shows in LA yeah. all the time, at least when... I was like into stuff. Uh, I don't. I don't even know his history. I can't remember if he played a bunch of shows in LA or anything. But um, mm. being obsessed with donuts and then being obsessed with uh, Flying Lotus record, like the EP, the Reset EP was the thing that I locked into really hard. Mm-hmm. No such thing. Uh, and basically just wanting, like my brain was like, what could I do? to be part of the conversation of what's happening Mm -hmm. now. And my response to that was like, make a record that I can perform solo using a controller the way I see all these other guys doing. Yeah. Um, So a lot of it to start off with was imitation. It was like an imitation of like trying to make their vibe part of what I was doing. Yeah. And then... Which is totally, like, I'm totally comfortable saying. Like, well, I'm yeah. not asking that. Well, I forgot to say even how part of the experience of seeing you performing in high school was the, like, the way you were performing and, like, the, the setup you had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how, what's been, like, the, you know, transformation of that. Yeah, it was basically consciously downsizing. Uh-huh. It was, like, the idea of touring with what I had done for post-fetus was so much more difficult mm-hmm. for me to like comprehend and figure out how to earn money from and all of that. I was just like, the magic of these guys is that they're not DJing. It's very clear that they're musicians performing the songs that they wrote, but their setup is so minimal that it's like, they are the only overhead. Right. Like it's just the shit that they bring with them. And I was like, I want that so badly. Yeah. I want like a solo show that I can do that with. And so that was the effort. And so it was super imitative to start off with. All the music I started making, like my early drafts of stuff was like uncomfortably similar to like a lot of the shit they were doing. And then I started realizing what I didn't like about doing that and like how I was like, I still want to make like pop type shit that I really like. And yeah, like, there's some yeah. bangers on Yeah, the it's like super poppy. Yeah. There's lyrics strewn throughout it. Like... Tons of guitar and bass, too, because I still I came from, like, band world, too. Like, I was in a number of bands earlier mm-hmm. in my life. So just all that stuff kind of congealed naturally into what became Cerulean. But right. the, it's, its uh, genesis was trying to make something similar to what I saw everybody else doing in yeah. L.A. So. Was there... <clears throat> I mean, I feel like that was, like, a, a big breakthrough, I think, for you, totally. from my perspective, oh. you know? And it's still, like... like comfortably like the biggest record that I have like Cerulean was like huge and it hasn't been downhill ever since it's just been different and it's like the reception for Cerulean was at a perfect crossroads of like hype and timing and all this shit that it was just like it did really well way bigger than any of us expected and then now I'm just doing my thing so So when that was happening for you I mean I'm sure you went on tour went around the Mm. world and you know was doing it it was happening Mm. was there 
and I'm sure you had to talk to a lot of people yes. about what you were doing and your influences and all that shit. And I, I kind of have go back and forth all the time with this whole like artists explaining their art kind of thing. Yeah, if yeah, it's yeah. necessary, if we're supposed to, I mean, you really know what you're doing. I mean, obviously just sitting here last <laughs> 30 minutes, I, I can <laughs> understand that like everything is a response to, to, or something you're feeling or something that you're noticing. Mm. Um, <clears throat> And since this is Queer and Art Podcast, yes. <laughs> I like to go play in that world of thought. And I want to know if you, what was going on for you as a, per, a queer person who was experiencing all that. And I yeah. asked this and want to highlight how important I think it is. Yeah. We haven't really talked about this, but, mm. you know, all of the people, whoever is out there listening or, or just, you know, finds you. Yeah. How important the visibility is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that experience like for you? It was, it was great because it was visibility on my terms, mm -hmm. which is something that's very strange and specific. That it's like when a lot of the queer music that I knew in my life growing up or like that I saw around that time it was, it just sat somewhere else in my brain. There's so, I, like being a teenager, all you want to do is have like an otherness or like a coolness right. to you. Or maybe not, maybe you want to fit in. But my brain was always like, I want to be like my own identity, my own thing. Mm -hmm. And so even in queerness, I was seeking that. And I think uh, it was important to me that through my music and through the stuff that was happening for me, that gay kind of consciously came second to the mm -hmm. fact that I was a musician. That was super important to me. And it's less important to me now, but kind of like, it's not, it's not even that it's less important, it's just irrelevant, because they're kind of, I can't separate them. Like, mm -hmm. I'm a gay person, I also make music. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time, it was like, it was like in my lyrics, it was in the music I was making, it was always there, but I wasn't, I was like, refusing to be billed as like a gay musician or like uh like in interviews it became a thing really quickly with people interviewing me that people understood not to be like like gay 21 year old like will we how did they know los angeles because we would tell them we okay. would just like we would get drafts of interviews or articles or whatever and just be like okay. like put it in the article but don't make it the selling point don't right. sell me as gay because mm -hmm. that irritated me and that I think lessened the effort of what I was doing, yeah. which I think is true of any artist that you don't want to be like, like a woman making art. You're not calling her a woman artist. You're <laughs> right, calling yeah. her an artist. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's the same kind of shit where I was just like, that is part of my identity, but it's not the only definition mm. and it's not the definition I want people to ride on as they're discovering my stuff, you know? Right. But at the same time, growing up and making music for as long as I have, you realize how inseparable those things are mm -hmm. and that the queerness in my life is never something I want to like knock down or make less a part of me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm much more comfortable talking about it and doing things related to it because I'm not trying to parse it the way I did when I was starting out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like early on first release of Cerulean stuff, like I was doing that. I was like trying to separate it a little bit, right, right, right. not hiding it, but like, um, uh, do, you remember, do you know Ellen Page? Yeah. Um, when she came out and her big moment of coming out, she said something in her speech that uh, always stuck with me where she said uh, she was tired of lying by omission. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I was doing. Yeah. It wasn't that I was lying about being gay. It's just I wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't all the way there. 
Like I, I sort of kept it at bay a little bit, even though I was out. So I don't know. I think it took a really long time for me to get fully comfortable, even though I had all these like mandates to myself about like, I'm never going to lie in my music. And like, I'm always going to be open. You just have to say those things for long enough in order for them to actualize themselves, mm-hmm. you know? So yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, I just, uh, I, I think it's such an interesting conversation mm-hmm. I've been having about it just because I've been pretty, like, glass-breaking, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. radical about it. And I know that gets on people's nerves. And it, I like when that happens because, obviously, that's, like, causing something. Totally, like, let's totally, explore this. Totally. But, um, and that's the thing is that, like, I came from the world where I was afraid of that. Yeah. And it sucks that I was afraid of that, mm-hmm. especially for as long as I was, where it was, like, I wanted so much to be a part of everything that I kept those instincts Mm -hmm. way more buried. Whereas like now I feel like I can't help myself. That's like, I indulge in all of that shit. I think there was like an acceptability era, you know, with, um, cause I, I really blame like social media when it comes to this kind of stuff because, and like Google for instance, just Mm -hmm. because I feel like, you can't be mysterious anymore and wanting that mystery surrounding Mm -hmm. who you are that comes off real. like inauthentic real to me. and not yeah. can't like connect to it or anything. And it's the thing that I think about all the time that I can't backtrack the way I exist to the public. Yeah. Which is very annoying to me. It's like, I would love to completely start over and just sure. be like totally anonymous and then like come out with something and just be like, what the fuck is this? Like, where did this come from? But I don't, I don't have the luxury of doing that anymore. No, I mean, exactly. It's like, it's interesting to talk about because like, you no one even gets to have that choice anymore of being like, well, no, I'm a musician first, you know, and that's a statement, you know, but like at the end of the day, your audience is going to make, be labeling you whatever the fuck they want to label you. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Um, Which I just think is interesting for someone who, you know, started out before. You're like right in the transition of that too. Like right where basically like, like I didn't have... I don't think I had an active Twitter when my first record came out. Or if I did, it was like, what, like 500 followers? You know what I mean? It wasn't a thing. And now it's just so prevalent. It's so part of like having a career as an artist, like maintaining that social media shit. And people who don't have to do that are so fucking lucky. And they're usually gigantic. They're usually like already super popular. And they have the luxury of just completely stepping back from it. But like if I want to sell music, (laughs) I have to promote it. So. Uh, it's how it goes. I don't know. I mean, yeah. And I, uh, there, it was nice to see though. I mean, I will admit that it was nice to see that you were being recognized as being queer or, yeah. or part of the community when it was, when you were first releasing music, I just yeah. thought tight, like yeah. good. It was also a thing that, that it was very, very hetero, like the, the, the scene that I was a part of, you know what I mean? That. Totally. I mean like, and not in a way that's like, I'm discouraging anybody who was a part of it. It's just like. That's the nature of, like, most things. Most things in the world are hetero. Yeah. And then when you're, like, entering that scene, you you look for the other outsiders and you look for people who are doing it differently, and that's the stuff you identify with. And the thing is, it's, like, even though it was hetero, it was so many other things, too. It was, like, like Flying Lotus is black. No such thing as Asian. Sure. Toki Monster is Asian and a woman, and she was one of the most prominent people in that scene as well, and still mm-hmm. is. I think more so now. I think she's, like... Huge oh yeah, now. I just saw her play like yeah, like Fonda or something. Like, no, like the there was a Vegas festival and she okay, was like yeah, exactly. the biggest stage. Exactly. Like, oh, cute. Hello. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, that's sort of what I latched into kind of immediately. It's like even though I was maybe one of the only like queer prominent 
things in that scene, it's like I wasn't the only thing going on, which is what was so cool about it. It was like that whole universe, especially surrounding low end theory, it celebrated shit that was different. Like low end theory was not a queer club or a queer night, but had the energy of that, like mm-hmm. genuinely did. Like there, there is, um, there were times where it was like a little too maybe like masculine sometimes, but that's like, that's also the nature of a live venue. That's kind of how that goes. That wasn't them. That was just like, bros who want to hear like super loud beats are going to be bros who want to hear super loud beats. Yeah. So, um, the fun of it though was like, Kev was a great curator. Everybody that was like the residents there and the bands that played, it was weird shit. Like no matter how the crowd fluctuated and like what that was like, whether it felt super intimidating and masculine or super weird and queer and cool, it was always about music before it was about anything else. And it was like, the weirder you can make it, the cooler it's going to go over. Yeah. And that's how it always went. There was like some of the strangest sets of music I've ever seen at Low End Theory, which is like why it was such a blast and why it was such a, an important part of like the past like 10, 15 years in LA music scenes. first album to your second album there's some like blatantly queer songs on that oh, album totally, totally. Um, especially on the second one yeah, like yeah. hardcore yeah 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 um i mean which i love and um i mean specifically <laughs> like, no eyes is like just yeah, like such was, an anthem you know yeah, yeah. not i don't even know if is it an anthem i mean well, it's it's what's it about it's basically like it's still the song that we close shows with really? you know like we still we still do it like that because it's it's the most direct song I've ever made where it's just like the anonymity of gay sex, like in the universe that I knew it as, you know what I mean? I'm a person who's never been in a relationship. Really? I'm 29 years old. I've never been in like an active relationship with a man ever. I was in middle school with girls when I wasn't out, which Uh is not, not fair. Mm -hmm. But, um, it was a song that was like going deep on my own feelings and mental narratives about, what that was Mm -hmm. and that all the sex I was experiencing in my life was like felt negative even when it was good Mm -hmm. and so it was just a song tapping into that really really hard and going a little overboard with it and embellishing it because that's what I do like songwriting the fun of it is embellishing your feelings yeah so it was that taken to like the nth degree and uh yeah and it's super loud and super aggressive and super Mm self-deprecating All that fun stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, it's... But people I, identify with it. People like it, so... Yeah, I yeah. mean, there's a... I think it's a, like a toxic queer narrative mm-hmm. about, you know... Very much so. The, the like, you know, the internal homophobia of, of butt sex. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like that's, like, what it all stems from is, oh, like, right. just because we have sex that way. Yeah. 
Um, or that kind of sex, yes. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, a lot of people, I mean, ever from the gay liberation movement have been trying to fight against that. Yeah. Um, and, like but put a good beat under it, yes, you yeah, know what I mean? exactly, exactly. Um, so, like, I, I don't, please stop me if I'm asking you, like, too personal of a question, mm. but is there a part of you that f- does not like, you know, Ex- like um, being queer or gay. Not that I'm saying that I think this about you no, whatsoever. No, 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 no. I'm just I, wondering. I know what you're saying. And it's like, I think absolutely. And I think it's kind of part of making art is yeah. like tapping into the things you hate about yourself. Mm-hmm. And then I don't hate my queerness, but there are times where I hate that it is part of me, you know, mm-hmm. that it's like, I just can't get around what my life would have been like if that was never part of my life. Interesting. You just like, I think about those things because I like writing shit that is honest. Mm-hmm. Like I still love fantasy and like deeply embellished fictional stories and stuff. And that's still where my heart lies. But it's like those things and those passions still have to be rooted in like real emotions and real yeah. feelings for them to resonate at all with me or with anybody else. Like when you write fantasy and like nothing about it is concrete or human, it doesn't feel like fantasy. It just feels boring, right. you know? Um, so... Yes. There are times where I feel very negatively about myself, but I'm able to sort of consciously take a step back from those feelings and be like, not only is it normal to feel this way, but also it's like part of my mission to try and understand those feelings and make them make sense and that you, I can use the thing that I have, like making music and writing lyrics and all that to, to make those make sense for myself, but then also turn them into something that, could be a banger or it could be something that is good. But so would you feel comfortable saying like your music is very personal to you? Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, it's like, I wouldn't be making it if it wasn't. I wouldn't know how to make it if it wasn't. Like literally everything I do, I've said this before in interviews and it's something I'm super comfortable and passionate about saying is that everything about making music for me is like a selfish enterprise. Mm -hmm. I do it because it's what I want to do. It has nothing to do with what other people want me to be doing or how it should go or whatever. It's just like, this is like the last record I made was insane. It was like, everything was like 130, 140 BPM and above, like super, super fast, super indulgent embellishment fantasy shit. And it was like, I want to make this record because I've been watching anime for like six years and I just want to make like a super fast fucked up. Like my, in my brain, it was like a, a, an electronic version of like a punk, record but with pop sentiment to it and then in this like Mm -hmm. (laughs) fantasy universe so it was like too many things at once i'm super proud of that record but even listening to it i think it comes across as like too many things at once and that's that was the point and the thing is it's like that's not like uh that's not like chart shit it's not like put this out and this will do super super well it's just like this is just exactly what i wanted to do Mm -hmm. And I still have to ride those instincts because the second I stop doing that, the second it's it, or the second I stop doing that is when it's going to stop being fun, yeah. And when I'm going to not enjoy making music. So. Oh my God! Yes, I mean I'm just gonna. <laughs> if you ever doubt Frank, this, his hands are like in the air. Yeah, like, like remember <laughs> me doing this because like I, I hope that you do because mm. your work is, if anything, enjoyable and listenable, and you. you need to just keep doing it. Yeah. And I wonder if the, if you've thought about like the journey of like is there like a story behind like 
the the three. You've done three albums. Three, yeah. yeah or, or As, that's technically three, but there was also this other record called Pop Music Slash False B Sides, which is like right. yeah. So it's kind of it's not necessarily part of the like main Bats records because it was an Odds and Sods record. Okay. So Cerulean, Obsidian, and Romaplasm, those are the three. And there's no direct thoroughfare. I think people try and draw that, but I I really consciously think about albums as like a singular thing. The way Mm -hmm. somebody makes a movie Mm -hmm. and it's like it is a standalone thing or whatever, that's how I treat records. And it's the thing that I'm passionate about doing when I make music. Some artists are super passionate about like the single and will, will be super, super good at making like one song that is like the thing or like mixtapes where it's like incorporating a bunch of shit some people are just into like dj mixes mm-hmm. where it's not even their music it's just like perfectly tastemaker shit mm-hmm. for me it is the album mm-hmm. that is the thing i'm obsessed with and that i love attempting and love making and love working towards so i'm always going to be that person even if that like fades as a format that people are interested in i love making records mm-hmm. that is my fucking thing so mm-hmm. yeah for whatever it's worth. Well, yeah, I mean, you have a new one coming out as a completely different yeah. side project. Yes. Um, can you kind of talk to me about wh- what that is? Sure, sure, sure. So Baths uh, is kind of like, I do this thing of separating mm-hmm. the two of them by saying Baths is like the active listening side of my output and Geotic is like the passive listening side of my output. Okay. Which is very a very general way to separate them, but it's like... A lot of the geotic music that I make in my own brain is designed to be absorbed while you're doing something else. That's what it is for me. Okay, great. That's the whole point. That's so great. Yes. That's I like write point. and listen to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the whole point is that it's like a lot, most of the music I would say that I listen to in my own life is that kind of listening for okay. me where it's like I put it on and do something else, whether that's driving or like doing shit at home, writing or whatever the fuck I'm doing. Um, so I'm... I love that kind of music and I, I'm passionate about making that kind of music too, but it's like I go into it knowing that it kind of has its role sort of. Mm. Whereas when I'm making bath stuff, it's very like, fuck you, like in your face, I'm going to do whatever I want. Mm. I want this to be as loud as possible, all that sort of shit. So, so it's you're a, not performing as Jotic, right? I haven't been, mm-hmm. rarely, but I'm now working towards doing that. Like okay. with this new record, I think it's like, sorry, I'm taking a sip. Take a sip. I think with this new Geotic record, it's like um, the most accessible Geotic output I've had, Mm -hmm. and it would be very fun to tour it for me. Like, I think it's stuff that could actually do well as a show and being toured around and playing with other people. So I'm working towards that right now. That's literally like the next project I have is building the Geotic live show. Yes. It's what I'm doing. That's what I have in my backpack over there is like shit I'm starting to work on. Sick. Yeah. So when the album's coming out... October 19th, yeah. and it's called Traversa. Yes. Um, there is already another Geotic record out on the same label, Ghostly International, called Abysma, mm-hmm. and that came out in March of last year. But both Abysma and Traversa are this kind of like new, newer venture mm-hmm. for me because it's like dance music, yeah. Geotic stuff. So it's like... It's got, like, an ambient spirit to it in some places, but it's still very, like, propulsive and dancey and four on the floor and all that shit. So I still treat it as passive listening in my Mm -hmm. brain, but could very much be interpreted not as that. And 
just to clarify, like all the other geotic output that I've had before then has basically been ambient. It's right. like that's where it came from. And so Well, I was wondering if you were like sonically doing like more of a like a guitar y thing for geotic or not consciously as like the defining thing, but I have made more records using guitar because it's more fun. Yeah. It's like making an ambient record using a guitar is a fucking blast. Yeah. And it's way easier to get ideas out faster. Mm-hmm. Um, making an ambient record using piano is much harder. It's much harder to apply effects that don't sound like shit. So mm-hmm. um, guitar lends itself very, very well to being like slow and yeah. drawn out. And, and something I also want to tell you is that like it's really nice. It's a, it, the, um, I forgot which geotic one. It's like the, the one like about walking on the sand. There's like or the song. There's like a song on there about like yeah. or Are walking. You me which record it's from? Yeah. Uh, probably Morning Shore. Yes. There is something very like romantic about that one as well, um, and uh, I just uh, don't know if you've heard this before, but like you know, someone saying like that is uh, it's good music to listen to when you're feeling like heartbroken or like kind of sad about uh, someone. And so I'm just, I'm just gonna suggest um, to anyone who hasn't listened to to Will's music at all, but like if you're also yeah like working on a project or painting in your studio in your fucking feelings (laughs) and you need like some like you know getaway music it's that um and it's made by a queer person go buy it online like don't like just stream it or something yeah there's all that shit is on Bandcamp too including the first geotic record too so that's like an easy starting point because I feel like Bandcamp is really easy to browse music you're able to jump between shit it is on Spotify too but I make less money Uh so yeah (laughs) you know you said it make so much of that stuff is I love writing out romantic feelings and fantasies in my head whether they're like people related like romance stuff mm-hmm. or whether it's just a romanticized vision of a place you know and it's really embellished I that's the shit I am thinking about when I am making music that's what inspires me to make music like I'm a huge fan of animation and illustration and all that shit is like where the impetus lies for me to sit down and start making music. Like yeah. when I'm really, really inspired by that shit, that's when I start recording. So. Um, yeah. I mean, I want to, I want to ask you a scary question. Maybe, maybe it's scary for me to just ask you, but okay. um, <laughs> uh, I'm curious, like, is there part of you that feels like you want to experience being in a relationship? And is there a part of you that fears that because it might, take you away from any of this or am I hitting a button? It feels no, no, no. like I'm caught. You're, you're not hitting a button. Okay. Um, it's both. Okay. The correct answer is literally both that like, there's part of me that feels like maybe being in a relationship would take away from some kind of like intrinsic artistic spirit that I have and yeah. might make it less so. But then there's part of me that's also like, what if it's the most inspiring thing that ever happens to me if I'm in a relationship? Yeah. But the main prevailing thought about it is that, 
I'm not like actively seeking it the way I think um, people can. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, if it happens, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Like I've been on dates and I've sort of like seen people for short amount of time, short amounts of time. Mm-hmm. I've seen them for shorts. <laughs> uh, uh, no, but I've seen them for short periods of time and stuff like that. And it's just, it's never. It doesn't sort of like overwhelm my thoughts in the way that you might think. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, and it's that's what I mean is it's not hitting a button with me. It's kind of just like, well, I just haven't been in one yet. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not to say like I'm not sexually active and I'm not, I don't maintain relationships with people. Like all those things exist. I yeah. just haven't been in like a formal relationship. And that doesn't eat away at my soul. That's just how it is. <laughs> I love it. I mean, because there's just like a, a, a strong queer romanticism that mm. I connect to with your music. Maybe it's just because of my experience. of No, but I it. mean like that's in there. Yeah. I totally do that. I yeah. try. So, so it's, it's just interesting to hear you say that, those things because <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. You know, you do have a, a strong inner connection to mm-hmm. this kind of um, I don't know. I don't know what it is because like queer relationships are so they're they're so different now than they were even like two years ago. Like it changes so much because we're just pretty much basing our knowledge off of like conditionally straight relationships, you know, how that comes together. I'm, I'm also like, I've written in deep, deep detail about queer relationships, which Sounds bad now that I've told you this because I haven't no. been in one. But the thing is, it's like, it's my job to kind of like observe the world and yeah. turn that into what I do. And so I'm never not looking. I'm always like looking at shit and like observing how people live and how things operate. And like certain things will just like ride really hard in my brain and I'll like write down whatever the lyric is or the idea is and it'll just sit there. And so whether or not I've been in a relationship, I can still write about things that feel true to mm-hmm. me. And so any songs about that, even if I haven't been in a relationship, often those feelings are still things that I have felt Mm -hmm. related to something else. So it all makes sense in the end. (laughs) I'm buying what you're selling. (laughs) Yeah. I think I'm going to wrap it up. It's been a while. I have, um, I do like a James Lipton-y question thing at the end. Is that like a, like a fast, like quick, quick ones? It's, you know, I don't want you to think too hard. Okay. I like to, you know, I've asked when I've, I've done this a b- bunch of times, and there the times when I'm like asked a question, that the guests will sit there and just like think, and I'm like, don't think, yeah. you know. Okay, I'll try. So and them out. yeah, like usually it's your first instinct, I okay. think. Um, okay, hold on, hold on. How many of them are there? Is ten. it like t- ten? Okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. I'm like, there's thirty. <laughs> Take a seat. Um, okay, Will. Me. <laughs> <laughs> that is so weird. Okay, I just said his name and just like threw him the microphone. Okay, Will, what is your favorite word? Oh, fuck. Uh, phantasmagorical is one of my favorite words. Yes. Okay. Put that on a shirt. Um, <laughs> least favorite word? Uh, probably cunt. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. He, he whispered it. I, yeah, sort of. So afraid to even say it out loud. Cunt. Yeah. Um, great. Uh, there goes my like explicit <laughs> um, tag. Okay. What inspires you most? Uh, animation and like, honestly, like kind people. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like people that are really genuine and kind. I'm like, I want to know all about you. 
I've said this before on the podcast mm-hmm. that my favorite like saying, and I think I'm gonna get a tattooed of it, like mm-hmm. the of the bumper sticker is "Mean people suck." Because like, yeah, it's real. That's it's real, real shit. Mean and you meet mean people all the time, and you're like, "How are you this way? Why? Why are you this way? You do know mean people suck." Yeah. Um, I'm gonna actually add on to this question. What? Um, God, there's so much I want to say for that inspiration question. I feel like I didn't fill it out, but that's fine. No, I want to ask like who's inspired you and your like music. With music, uh, the first thing that comes to mind in the past like five years is Mikachu. That's like one of the biggest where I feel like her identity as a musician is stronger and more realized than most musicians' entire career. Like they spend their entire lives trying to just be themselves and it doesn't come across anywhere near as well as her music does. She's just so singular. Mikachu. Uh, Mikachu in the Shapes. I'll like text you some shit. Yes. Albums of hers have like absolutely changed my life. So cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, what's your favorite emotion? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, laughter or like, that's not an emotion. I guess joy, mm-hmm. but my instinct was to say orgasm and that's not an emotion. <laughs> no, I'm not going to give that But to I mean, you. I'm saying joy because all those little things like, like laughter and orgasm. Pleasure. Yeah. Pleasure. Cool. I'm very, very hedonistic. Okay. We can put it like that. Rare. Yeah. Um, what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Um, identity. Mm-hmm. Like, I love being able to, like, see right through to, like, an artist. Like, just get a feel for exactly who they are. Like, uh, when art is completely separate from the artists, mm-hmm. it, can still, it can still be cool, but it's, like, it's not as exciting to me. Like I love, that's why I mentioned Mikachu because it's the most inspiring thing that it's just like, you know, you're listening to her music immediately. Cool. It's just so clear. So anything like that, uh, as a tangent to identity, it's like anything that is brand new to me. Cause that still branches from that where it's like usually music, if I'm hearing it and I've never heard anything like it before, never seen anything like whatever show I'm watching. If I've never seen anything like it, it usually stems from, a singular person having a really strong identity and like mm. knowing what they want to do. So those things. Love that. Cool. Um, not to validate your, like, I, I mean, it's all, <laughs> sorry. I was like, thank Real you. Shit. That's great. I will take that answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what turns you off? Ooh. Uh, condescension and competition. I hate, I actually talked about this on Twitter the other day, but I think a lot of people like, top tenning stuff and like top tenning art or music or anything like that, it breeds competition in a realm that doesn't need it. Like music is not a competitive thing to me. And there's so many musicians that still think of it that way. And it's like, there are people that can also say to me that it's like, you have success in music. Like you don't get to say that. And it's like, that's true. But I'm talking about like the music that I listen to and that I'm really passionate about. It's like my favorite records on earth are nowhere near like other people's favorite records or like number one on anybody's list. And yeah. it's still like the stuff I couldn't, I could not live without. Like it is the most crucial shit in my life. So like I, I just, just that, just people trying to make music competitive or art competitive makes me insane. And, uh, mean is that people, like critics or it can be anything. It can be critics or it can be conversationally like the way people, um, like in somebody talking about music. Yeah. And saying that you're really passionate. Uh, say you're 
say you're really dispassionate about a band. Mm-hmm. You don't like them. If you say to the group of people you're talking with, like, that is a bad band or that is bad art, is to me so much worse than saying that art is not for me. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? There's a huge difference, yeah. a huge qualitative difference in how you talk about art. And that's something that drives me crazy if somebody is just like, that thing that you like sucks. Because yeah. then it, it shuts the conversation down, it makes the person feel bad, and it in, invalidates a lot of feelings that a lot of people might have. Whereas if you're like, that thing that you like isn't for me, it keeps it where it should be, where the person who feels negatively about it, they're the only person who has to deal with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, there's so many times, I know this might sound so stupid, but like oh, there, yeah. there's so many times like during the, like every day where I have to rem- remind myself that yes, we are all humans and yeah, we are all the same kind of people and we're all, you know, sharing the same kind of, you know, mm-hmm. way we're built, but we are also fucking different and, yeah. like, we all just like and feel different ways about shit and, yeah. like, you can't do anything about it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That stems back to, like, my thing about identity. That's the whole thing is that it's, like, when you experience something confidently different, mm-hmm. it's the most inspiring thing in the world where you yeah. just, like, look at your shit. That's right. fucking great. Like, look at you. Yes. <laughs> I see you. Totally. Awa. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. It's good shit. That's very you, for yeah. sure. Um, I'm, I say that with love. I know. I know. Um, okay, what turns you up? If you could have dinner with any artist, living or dead, who would it be? Fuck. Uh, maybe Mitch Hedberg. Cool. Yeah. Uh... I just feel like I would get the most fun out of it. If I was trying to like learn something or just like get a stronger feel from it, maybe Mikachu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. The thing is, it's like that question is difficult because like the person I feel almost the most about that, I've literally been living with for three years. Like my bandmate Morgan, he's like one of the most inspiring musicians in the entire world to me. And it's like we've lived together for three years. Like we Ooh. know everything about each other. So it's kind of kind of moot but yeah yeah at the like, same time, nobody yeah <laughs> i don't want to say nobody so yeah, yeah, yeah. i gave you three answers, yeah that's good i was a, you were thinking i was like i'm gonna let him do three i know let I'm, sorry, I'm sorry it's fine it's fine it's fine, it's fine. um okay what do you want to be remembered for uh being myself above anything else mm-hmm. that it's like my identity as an artist and all the people I interact with, the relationships I have, that I, I never lose sight of doing me. Mm-hmm. I think it's very easy for people to do, and it's very easy for people to make art that, uh, what's the word? I was about to say dissolve or dis... Uh, fuck! I don't know how I'm trying to say it. Yeah, just being myself. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the thing that I would love to be like remembered leaves by. a mark or something? I don't know. Yeah, like... I, okay, this is how I'm trying to phrase it, is that I feel like it's very, very easy for artists to lose sight of what is important about their own art, mm-hmm. which is, to me, identity. That it's like having a strong statement about who you are. Like, it, it doesn't mean that you have to try that hard. It just means you have to be honest, you know? Like, honesty and integrity about your art, that's inseparable from your identity as, a, as an artist. So I just want to be remembered for doing that as well as I possibly could, you know? That I don't murk it up and start doing things that are like JC Penny commercials. Yeah, or I mean like if I can maybe. do that to the best of my ability, then maybe. But I just mean I don't wanna I don't want to uh Yeah. I just don't wanna be untrue. Yeah. I don't wanna be untrue. Cool. Yeah. 
Well, what is your favorite part about being queer? Whew. Um, you do identify as what is you? What do you gay. identify? I, I am gay, but I mean, like, I've I felt attraction towards things that surprised me very much. Mm-hmm. But I would say that comfortably, I can say I'm gay. Okay. Um, I think the most. What was the question exactly? What is your favorite part about being queer? Favorite part about being queer. Um, that I get to adopt a comfortably liberal attitude about sex and relationships. Mm-hmm. That I think that that's so fun. That it's just basically like there's no barriers anymore about... I guess that could apply across the board to everything, though. That there's just no barriers left about um, sex, relationships, art... Uh, feelings like all of that shit it's just like when you come out of the closet it's like there's no hiding anymore mm-hmm. so everything is out in the open and everything is whatever you want it to be mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <So>. boom <laughs> boom and my last question I guess you might have just answered it but what is queer ooh honesty mm-hmm. I think um, and honesty is different for every single person but I think that's what it is to be a queer person. If you're like a trans person or an asexual person, you owning those identities is being honest with yourself. So I think at, at its core, queerness is like full-blown honesty as far as you can take it. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I really like that. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to be honest with you right now yes. and tell you that I think you're a genius. Thank you very much. And I've thought that since I think I first saw you. And I, it means a lot to me to sit here right now and, and say this to you in your face. I know that there's, (laughs) there's, you know, you could always be like, Oh, maybe we'll run into each other. Maybe I'll see him (laughs) here, you know, but it's meaningful to me to take the time totally to be here with you. This was very fun for me too. Like I, I, Enjoy talking. I think that's kind of obvious. I talk yeah. a lot. But this is great. Yeah. I think you're very good at doing podcasts. Duh. Well, I really, um, you know, the other big point of me doing this, not that I have a group, giant audience or anything, but if there's people who out there who don't know you, I want them to know you yeah. and to check you out. So where can everyone, like, find you and stuff? Um, I think the best starting point is maybe uh, looking the artist name up on Anticon or Ghostly, like I think it's literally ghostly.com mm-hmm. uh, and I'm geotic for them or uh, anticon.com and I'm baths on there or just looking up literally like keywording that just baths or geotic or my fucking name, Will Wiesenfeld. Mm-hmm. You can find all my shit everywhere. All my shit is available to purchase on Bandcamp if you're looking to pay for things digitally. Um, the label websites have... CDs and vinyl and all this shit. And within the next, like, six months, we're working on putting together, like, a full web store of, like, new merch and new shit yes. and, like, reselling, doing reissues of some records and stuff like that. So a lot of stuff coming. It's a very long-winded answer, but just fucking Google baths or geotic. Yes. And Twitter, <laughs> Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's great. Um, my handle on everything is baths music, B-A-T-H-S-M-U-S-I-C. I am constantly on Twitter. Nice. If you're, like, trying to get to me, uh-huh. like, direct line is usually Twitter. Nice. Yeah. Well, good to know. Yeah. I should have fucking tried Twitter first. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for sitting me, with me of in my course. hot apartment. And Frankie also has a beautiful place. I don't know if he's got to say that <laughs> on the podcast, but it's very nice. Oh, my God. I should do, like, a picture. We'll take a picture. We'll Maybe I'll picture. post it on their Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Will. Of
That's us uh, doing a high five. High five. <laughs> that, my friends, is Will Wiesenfeld, also known as Baths. And listening back to this episode and editing it together, I was so, I'm so proud of this one because I know that I'm sharing this great artist with all of you now who is queer, but he's someone who I really uh, feel shaped and formed part of my queerness as a young person. So reconnecting this long of a time after is really special to me. So I'm grateful for this happening. I love this episode because it features so much of Will's music. The first song you heard at the top of the episode was his song Out by Baths from his latest album, Romoplasm, which is amazing. All of his music is incredible. Uh, another song you heard was called Lovely Blood Flow. That's from his first album, Cerulean, which is just like banger after banger. Really beautiful, interesting electronic music. And you've also heard No Eyes from his technically third album, Obsidian, which is definitely one of my favorite songs. I mean, we discussed it in the episode, the explicit queerness within it. Um, it's just like one of those like dance floor grinding, I imagine, like strobe lights, dark dance floor. That's how I see it. Let me know what you think about it, all right? <laughs> you also heard some other music by him, a uh, track from uh, Geotic called Vast Ocean View, which, I, as I said, I also listened to to like get work done in the background it's just beautiful meditative um transporting ambient i mean he's just got so much for you to go and dig into so after you listen to this run over use your phone whatever you got to do listen to his stuff and become as big of a fan as i am he's got his new album coming out october 19th with geotic so make sure to check that out please follow queer and art podcast on instagram facebook twitter all those things we got it you can find us at queer and art also, we have an email address, so let me know what you think. If you have other folks you want to, you know, hear on the podcast, let me know. Queerandart at gmail.com. You can find me, Frankie Craft, at Frankie Craft on Instagram. I'm pretty much mostly there. I, I kind of tend to like it the best, but you can also find me on Facebook. I also have a website. All my stuff is there. Check it out. Please rate, subscribe, comment. Ooh, I hate asking to do all that weird shit, but... It helps with the podcast. It helps with the growth of whatever I'm doing here. So I appreciate it. Theme music by Joey Polari. This podcast is brought to you by Sammy Girl Productions. And that's about it, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Check out Baths. Become a fan of Will's. And thank you for supporting queer art. 